Good morning. Uh, John chapter 10, and we are going to read the whole chapter. Long beard, long message. What if you shaved? <laughs> so do a Samson on us. John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, 
I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did not sign, did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, during this uh, time of uncertainty and chaos in our world today, we just come to you and thank you that, uh, that you are a good shepherd, Lord, and that you speak to your sheep. Lord, I pray this morning that we could just uh, be rid of all the distractions, the cares of the world, the chaos, all the different voices that are speaking now, Lord, and quiet our minds and our hearts and hear from you this morning. Lord, I, I pray for your peace to rule and reign this morning in our hearts as we hear your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word will not return void to us this morning, that it will increase our faith. It'll give us a boldness to go out into the world and, and be the light that you've called us to be. Father, I, I pray for opportunity during this time of unrest and uncertainty. I pray that you would anoint your people with the gospel, the good news, Father, that we could go out this week and, and I just pray for divine appointments, that we could meet people that, that need to meet you and hear from you. Lord, I just think now of uh, the many people that uh, are struggling, ones that we have not mentioned this morning, there's, there's so many. And Lord, I, I just pray for them right now that the comforter would come to them, that you would be close to them. And even as we think in our minds now of those people that we've been praying for, that you would meet them this morning. Lord, I, I want to lift up our nation as well to you. And Father, we, we need you more than ever. Lord, I just ask again for your mercy, for your, for your forgiveness, for the many sins, for the direction that we've gone. Lord, I just pray that uh, you, your favor would rest upon our leaders, that you would give them wisdom. Lord, I especially pray that your will be done for this election. Lord, that, uh, that you would 
give opportunity again once to, to this great land for a revival. Lord, I just uh, thank you for your word and, and we praise you in Jesus' name. So this morning, <clears throat> we're taking a look at the final public discourse in the Gospel of John that Jesus gave publicly. The rest that we're going to look at in the Gospel of John are going to be private discourses, uh, goodbyes, if you will, as Jesus prepares to head toward the cross. And so as you look at this, this is also the final rejection. So when Jesus is going to leave the the temple area today, he's going to go across to the Jordan. Um, the rest of the time is setting his face to the cross. So, so it's important that we kind of wrap our minds around the things that Jesus is saying, the things that he's laying out for the people. And it says it was a feast of dedication. That's Hanukkah. And by the way, Hanukkah is only in the Bible here. It was not one of the original feasts. It's something that happened during uh, the 400 years of silence when the children of Israel were being oppressed by Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, who is a symbol of the Antichrist. In fact, Daniel refers to him and uh, describes what Antiochus did to the temple as the abomination that makes desolation. That should sound familiar, right? Matthew, Jesus talks about it. So, when we look at it, what happened, Judas Maccabeus, who was the head of uh, the revolt at the time against Antiochus, he uh, goes back into the temple to purify the temple, and the oil in the lights of the temple, they didn't have enough, uh, they didn't have any, and it took uh, eight days to get that oil uh, remade, and the, the menorah burned miraculously for the time it took for the uh, Judas Maccabeus to make more oil. That is the background of Hanukkah. And so it was the celebration, uh, the feast of dedication. It takes place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. So they're headed in toward uh, the same, roughly the same period of time that we would call uh, in, in uh, our holiday as Christmas. And so it says, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I think at this point, I would have sarcasm flow out of my body, out of every pore. <laughs> because when I read it, I think, are you, are you kidding me? Okay, let me run this back for you. There are not lepers every day being healed. There are not blind seeing every day. There are not lame walking every day. Just like today, if you heard about these real miracles taking place, if you heard about these things happening, that a man was walking down the road at a funeral procession and he touched the casket and the guy got out of the casket, you would say, wow, something different's going on, right? And Jesus has already spoken since John chapter 5, and we'll back up and take a look at it. <clears throat> Jesus has already spoken to the fact that, look, 
my, my words have been telling you who I am. My works have been telling you who I am. And my father told you who I am. And he described how that took place. The father spoke to us through the prophets. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews. Also, Jesus tells us in John chapter 5. So if you believed the prophets, you believed what my father said, you would believe me. He said, if you don't believe that, you should look at the works and say, this is weird, right? Because it's no different. And see, everywhere Jesus went, people got healed. Not, it was not some weird thing where, you know what, a bunch of people went and you heard rumors of people getting healed. No, you saw this blind guy. Now he's not blind anymore. You saw the lame guy. Now he's not lame anymore. You saw these things taking place. Jesus is going to say, all of these things bear witness to who I am. But he says to them here in verse 25, Jesus answered and said to them, I told you, and you do not believe. So it's not a question about whether or not they understood plainly. It was evident, abundantly evident. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now we consider this, this lays out for us the idea, the cause of their unbelief. He said, I told you and you do not believe. Why don't they believe? Because they are not his sheep. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves is why? Why are you not his sheep? Does the Bible tell us why? Is there, is there somewhere where the Bible tells us, how come they're not our, or what, how come they are not your sheep? Or if we back up to John chapter 6, why is it the Father hasn't given? And if he hasn't given, how does he give? And we talked about that back when we were working our way through John chapter 6. But to me, the Bible, the Gospel of John, same book, describes their unbelief. Why don't they believe? John chapter 5. John chapter 5, it says, verse 37, the Father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you. Why are they not as sheep? Because they do not have the word of the Father abiding in them. Be, why? Because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. He says to them in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And Jesus is going to say what? It is they that do what? Bear witness of me. Yet you refuse to come to me. You refuse to come. Why? Because you do not have the word abiding in you, which means you don't believe what the word says. Unbelief. The writer of Hebrews tells us, how is it that, that the children of Israel did not enter into the promised land? Why? Because of unbelief. And then the writer of Hebrews tells us, he warns us, right? Beware lest that evil heart of unbelief be found in any of you. That you would not believe. Look what he says. You search the scriptures. You think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness of me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. 
Now, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. For I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe? Jesus is answering the questions. Why don't they believe? Why haven't they responded? He says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from only God? How can you believe when you don't care about the glory of God? All you care about is being glorified by men. What was it that the scribes and the Pharisees and religious leaders wanted? Power. Did they care about any of it? No. Did they really believe any of it? No. They used it for power, for money, to get ahead. Is that new? Does that still happen today? They, they wanted this. They wanted power. How can you believe? Listen, here he says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, upon whom you have hung your hope. So they would all say, we're disciples of Moses. They've already said it, right? Multiple occasions. Remember the man born blind? Do you also want to be his disciple? What did they say? We are not his disciples. We are disciples of Moses. Really? Well, listen to what Jesus says. There is one who accuses you, Moses, upon whom you set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. Who's speaking right now? Jesus. Is Jesus telling us why they don't believe? Yes. What is he saying? Why don't they believe? Because they don't believe Moses. Why are they not his sheep? Because they don't believe Moses. Because they have rejected the word of the Father. They have rejected the works that Christ did that bear witness to who he is. They have rejected his witness. They have rejected. Jesus said, I came in my Father's name and you did not receive me. Another will come in his own name. Him you will receive. The idea of this rejection. He says, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how can you believe my word? If you don't believe that which was delivered to the saints through the prophets, if you do not believe the word that was delivered, then you are not my sheep. You won't hear my voice because you rejected the voice of my father. You won't hear me. And so in John chapter 5, he describes it. He says the characteristics of his sheep. What are special about his sheep? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. John chapter 1, verse 1 begins with this phrase. In the beginning was the, and the word was with God, face to face with God, and the word was God, right? So Jesus is saying, listen, my sheep hear my voice because he's the word of God. So they have not rejected the revelation that has been delivered. They responded. We're going to see as we get to the end, Jesus is going to go back to where John the Baptist was. You remember? And what was John the Baptist? He's the pre-runner, right? The guy going ahead of the Messiah to make the people ready. How did he make the people ready? He called them to repentance through what? 
the word of God. And the people who responded to the word of God and repented were ready to hear the words of Jesus. Yes? My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. John 6.45 says, and it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. This is a reference to the Father. They will all be taught by the Father. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father, what does it say? Comes to me. All that the Father has given me does what? Comes to me, and I will not cast him out. How do they hear from the Father? All who have learned and heard from the Father, what did Jesus say? Comes to me. How did the Father speak? Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, take a look at it. God at various times and in various ways has spoken to us in times past through the prophets. God spoke. God spoke. Man is accountable for what the word of God teaches. Man is accountable. If man hardens his heart to God's word, man's heart will grow harder still. Until he will not respond and he will reject and he will become what we would call a a reprobate. But he will become a reprobate because he turned his back on the Lord. That's what God says in the prophets. You turned your back to me, not your face. Who's responsible? They are, aren't they? He goes on. What's the promise to the sheep? Verse 28. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now we need to comprehend exactly what it is that Jesus is talking about here because we usually end up with a lot of questions in this section of scripture. He says, I give them eternal life. So where does the eternal life come from? Jesus Christ. And they will never perish. John chapter 11. We're about to see it. We're about to see the seventh sign that goes with the seventh discourse. You know who it is? Lazarus. You remember what he says to Martha? I am the resurrection and the life. No man who believes in me will die. So he's he's focusing in on this idea of eternal life, Not perishing, being delivered from the hands of death. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch anybody out of Jesus' hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now he's going to freak them all out. Right? Tell us plainly. I don't know if you get any plainer than this. I and the Father are one. Do the Jews understand what he's saying? How do we know the Jews understand him? Yeah, the next thing they do is pick up stones. They know what he's saying. Here's what we need to understand. Listen, the shepherd is all-powerful and the sheep in his hand have nothing to fear. The shepherd is all-powerful, and the sheep in his hand have nothing to fear. 
A lot of people want to come to this text of scripture and argue eternal security, once saved, always saved, or is it possible for you to jump out of Jesus' hands? And that's not what this is talking about. We can uh, infer and we can build an eisegetical argument, but an eisegetical argument is almost always weaker. Eisegetical means I'm bringing something outside to the text that the text is not talking about. What is the text talking about? The text is talking about death. I will give them eternal life. They will never perish. I will hold them in my hand and nothing can snatch them out. Jesus' reference is ultimately to death and eternal life. He's like, look, you're not nothing, there's nothing that you need to be afraid of in my hand. I say things like this all the time. Everything that enters into my life passes through the hands of a God who loves me. And if it passes through his hands, he'll give me what I need to overcome. He'll give me the strength I need if I need strength. He'll give me endurance if I need endurance, right? We often comfort ourselves by saying God will not give us more than we can handle. God frequently will give you more than you can handle. (laughs) I would say God will give you more than you can handle all the time. So you'll know you can only handle it with him. Right? But he does promise, 1 Corinthians 10, right, that he will give us a way of escape. He will give us what we need. How do I endure this, Lord? I'll give you endurance. How do I walk through this? I'll give you strength. How do I overcome this? I will make you an overcomer. Right? You get what I'm saying? And so the Lord is saying here, Jesus has us in his hands. There's no snatching out. And certainly nobody can go whoop, slip on a banana peel and fall out of Jesus' hands. That can't happen. Right? He's got you. He's got your loved ones. If you are in his hands, he has you and you have nothing to fear. Now, Jesus immediately from telling his sheep, you have nothing to be afraid of. What's going on contextually? Think with me. What's going on contextually? You just had a blind man thrown out of the synagogue. That was kind of harsh in their society, right? That wasn't a little thing. But Jesus is saying to the people and to his sheep, to those who have responded to the word of God, he's saying to them, look, I got you in my hand. Nothing is going to get you. Nothing comes through his hands that Jesus don't let through. Right? Now, sometimes that's hard for us to handle because sometimes the thing that comes through his hands is something we don't like. Maybe it's cancer, diagnosis, someone we love passes, whatever. There's, there's endless possibilities, right? But he's saying you don't have nothing to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid. We spend a lot of time, especially in our world today, being afraid. Now, being afraid has nothing to do with being cautious. You want to be cautious, be cautious. That's good. That's okay. But there's a lot of fear. And Jesus says, nothing comes into my hands that you have to be afraid of. Nothing no matter what it is. My father is greater than all. And no one, so he gives us this picture of not just being cupped in hands like this, but then those hands surrounded by 
hands as well, right? The father's hands around the son's hands. And then he talks about his connection with the father. I and the father are one. Listen, we need to know. This is what Jesus is saying. I and the Father are one. It's not just talking about the unity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Remember in the triune Godhead, there's something called the harmony of the Trinity, which means all of the, uh, all of the persons within the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are all harmonized. They're all unified. One's not working against the other. Jesus isn't trying to save somebody that God's condemning. Does that make sense? They are all functioning together. They are all working. It's not only talking about the unity of, of the Father and the Son. Jesus is saying, I am equal to the Father. When he says, I and the Father are one, he's claiming equality with the Father. And the Jews respond as you would expect if they did not believe that to be true, right? Very clear. When Jesus says, I and the Father are one, he's claiming equality with the Father. So the Jews respond, verse 31, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? So they pick up stones. Now, think about it. They said, tell us plainly. Jesus said, I already told you, but you don't believe. We discussed a little bit about why they don't believe. Because they didn't believe the word of God. They did not respond to the direction of the word of God. And as such, their hearts are hardened. They cannot see. They have rejected. And so, in this rejection, Jesus said, my father told you about me, right? The prophets, did the prophets say what Messiah would look like? I've told you, right? In Leviticus, there's a whole chapter about what a leper is supposed to do when he was cleansed, and it never happened until Jesus. And then it was happening all the time. That isn't, you, don't, you wouldn't go, wow, something's up, right? What leper, there's another leper today. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Today there's 10 lepers. Yeah, no, it's over and over and over. Blind guys and lame guys. The Lord said this would happen. His works speak to the fact of who he is, right? And then Jesus says, I'm equal with the Father. I only speak what the Father gives me to speak. I only do what the Father gives me to do. Total harmony within the Godhead. And so these guys, they, they pick up stones to stone them. So Jesus says, which of the works, which of the witnesses that I've shown you that speak to who I am are you stoning me for? And the Jews respond, right? What do they say? The Jews answered, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being a man, what's the next phrase say? Make yourself God. You being, so the, the Jews understood what he was saying. Hey, Jesus, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. It was so plain, they picked up stones to stone him. You are making yourself God. So Jesus answers them in verse 34. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said you are God's. 
If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture, scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? Now, right about now, everybody should be saying, what did he just say? Just so you know, it blows my mind how many people and how many places get this wrong because we're not comfortable with what he says. So we're not going to get it wrong today. We're going to get it right. Because we are of those who believe the word of God, right? So if the word of God says it, we're going to be okay with it. And we're going to look at what the word of God says. So Jesus begins. He says to them, is it not written in your law? <clears throat> He's quoting from Psalms. Psalms. Now at the time of Christ, that phrase, the law, had come to mean the entirety of the Old Testament. Not just the Torah. So when he's speaking, he's saying, doesn't it say in the Old Testament scriptures, same synonymous terms, what does it say in your law? Does it not say, I said you are gods? He's quoting from Psalm 82. So we're going to read Psalm 82 because in order to understand what Jesus is saying from Psalm 82, you ought to at least know what Psalm 82 says. No? Before we figure out what he means. We're going to go take a look. Psalm 82, verse 1. God has taken his place in the divine council. The divine council in uh, scriptures is talked about multiple times, but in the Psalms here in Psalm 82 and also in Kings. You remember there's a story in Kings about God coming before the divine council and saying, to the angels, what should we do? And one angel said this, and one angel said that, and finally an angel said, we should put a lying spirit into the mouth of the prophets. You remember the story? It's in there. You should read your Bible. It will change your life. <laughs> Here, it says, God, I'm going to infer at at worst, this is the Father. I'm going to infer this is the Word of God. I'm going to infer that this is God the Son coming before the divine council, which means Jesus' claim, he's not backing away from the claim of being equal with the Father. He's about to double down. If you read verse 38 in John 10, you'll recognize, oh, he just doubled down. He, he, he was not satisfied with the Father and I are equal. He's going to say that the Father and I are equal in nature, in substance, and indivisible from one another. What? Well, if you want to, look ahead. We're not there yet. Okay, so God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst, <coughs> excuse me, in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. We all know, right, that the word Elohim, which is translated God in the Bible, is plural. Yes? Elohim is plural. In Genesis 1, we see it, right? Uh, let us make man in our image. You have the plurality of God. A lot of people talk about the plurality of God. The word Elohim is used of him. Elohim 
is a word that describes any divine being. There are a lot of Elohims. There is only one Yahweh. There are a lot of Elohims. There is one Yahweh. You remember the witch of Endor? Anybody ever heard of the witch of Endor? The witch of Endor is a story in the Bible. Again, uh, Saul goes to the witch of Endor. All witches were thrown out, but he wears the disguise, goes to the witch. He wants to talk to Samuel again. Yeah? And so he goes to call forth Samuel. And a lot of people argue over whether or not the witch really was able to call forth Samuel. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that what came forth was an Elohim. An Elohim. That's why I think it's Samuel. The word Elohim can refer to human beings that have passed from this plane to heaven. Because they have become a spirit being. The, 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 uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? That's not it. <laughs> they haven't received their, their uh, bodies yet. The resurrection has not taken place. We, we will all see the resurrection take place. We'll see that Revelation chapter 19 alludes to it. But so we, we have Samuel referred to as an Elohim. Angels are referred to as Elohim. And when it refers to them as the word Elohim, it's plural because there's multiple of them. The Bible teaches that God has a council of divine beings. We use the word gods. I'm sorry, that's how we do English. But you could just as easily say when he comes before the divine council, he's talking to a council of divine beings, spirit beings. We would call them Angels, varying degree of angels. Do we know all the different types of angels that exist? I don't think so. I don't think we know them all, but there's a bunch of them, right? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. That's how Paul describes them. There's multiple places that describe the idea. So God, the Father, or the Word of God, comes before the divine council, this council of angels, what Psalm 82 is about. He comes before them and he says to them, how long will you judge unjustly and so partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Here's the part Jesus quotes. I said, you are God's sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like men. This is God giving judgment to the council of angels, wicked, fallen angels who have not upheld their duty that God gives them in Deuteronomy 32.8. I don't really have enough time to wrap all that together. I'm going to Try to give you enough to make you hungry. And then if you're really hungry, come to coffee Monday morning and we can chat all about it. Um, I can also direct you to a couple of good books that will help you put all the pieces together. God, at the fall of man, Genesis 11, 
you have the Tower of Babel, man's final rebellion against God. God then lets loose of the nations and says, I will make my own peculiar people. And in chapter 12 of Genesis, he calls out Abraham, yes? And he tells Abraham, I'm going to make a nation from you, come. And from 12 on, we see God's redemption of man. So Deuteronomy 32.8 infers that at that moment, God told his divine counsel, you have rulership over these nations. And what did they do? Well, ultimately, I think they revealed themselves to the nations as false gods. And so you have Baal, Ashtoreth. You have the plethora of of spirit beings being worshiped as gods who are no gods, right? Though they are spirit beings, there's only one Yahweh. There's only one. There is not a plethora. So God comes before the council and he delivers judgment. You should have upheld the, the weak. You should have brought justice and righteousness. You should have been a reflection of the character of God over these nations, but you were not. I said you are gods, but you will die like men. What happens to the angels? Fallen angels, where do they go? Yeah. The Bible says that the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. Angels perhaps sat on God's divine counsel. Perhaps all angels sat I don't know, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do know this. When Jesus said, the word says, you are God, sons of the most high, all of you. And then he says, <clears throat> he says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came. Who's the word of God come to in Psalm 82? Who's God speaking to? He's not speaking to Israel. That's not Israel he's talking to. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Elohim. He said in verse one, he's talking to the divine council, didn't he? He's talking to the fallen angels. He's bringing judgment upon the fallen angels. So who did the word of God come to? The word of God came to the divine being. So what is Jesus referring to in John 10? He's saying, I am a divine being. I was there in Psalm 82. I'd go so far to say that he is the word of God who came to the divine council and delivered judgment because John chapter five says all judgment has been given into the hands of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. <clears throat> all judgment given to the father. So is it not written? Psalm 82, yes, it is written. I called them gods, Elohim, spirit beings, to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, then why do you say of the one that the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God. He called all the ones of the divine council and I would say that Jesus is the chief of the divine council. I would say he's the one who runs it. And I would say his title as the one who runs it is the son of God of God. By the way, another title given to divine beings. Yes? Genesis chapter 6, the Beni Elohim, 
the sons of God saw the daughters of men, we probably don't have time to open up that can of worms. Or, or in Job, the sons of God passed before the father and the, and the Satan, he passed before God. And God said to him, have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, no, these, this is in the Bible, folks. These things are in the Bible. Jesus is saying, so it's written in the Bible at the divine council, the word of God called the angels, God's Elohim. Now for us in English, it messes it up because we use one word for it all. They didn't. They're using the word Elohim. They're using the word in, in Psalms, they're using the word Elohim. Here, when we look at what Jesus is talking about, He's using actually the word theos. He said, they called them gods. Why are you balking if I'm the head of the divine council? Why are you balking that I said, I am the son of God? Now, did they know what Psalm 82 said? Yes. How do I know? Because they still want to stone him. You and I, we look at Psalm 82 and we scratch our heads. But if you read Psalms, if you read Psalm, it says God came to the divine council. He brings judgment to the fallen angels. He says, I called you Elohim. I called you little G gods, but you will die like men. You are spirit beings, not humans. They're different genus. They're a different species, right? God created angels and mankind, did he not? Are angels like men? No? Oh, any of you guys got wings? So they're different? What does the Bible say about angels? They are all ministering, what's the word? Spirits. Spirits. So Jesus is about to double down on them. Listen, he says, the word my father delivered to you said that spirit beings are divine. And I think he's referring to the fact that he's the head of the council, but it doesn't matter because he's going to say something even more shocking in verse 38. So do you say of him whom the father uh, consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? If I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. What did the father say Messiah would look like? He would heal the blind. He would set the captive free. He would make the lame walk. He would cleanse the leper. Are these things not happening? Do they happen every day and we're just confused about which person to pick? No, they don't happen every day. So Jesus says, if my works, if I'm not doing what my father said I would be doing, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe, believe the works that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So not only did Jesus claim equality with the Father, he is now saying that the Father and the Son are ontologically equal. The word ontologically means they are of the same nature. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. We are in essence inseparable. So whatever he declared of divinity earlier, he just doubled down. 
He said, not only am I equal with the Father, I'm made of the same stuff. Isn't that what Psalm 82 is referring? Psalm 82 is referring to beings who are divine. What makes them divine? They're not humans. They are angels. They are spirits. Yes? And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm of the same essence. There are a lot of Elohim. Elohim could refer to all the angels. But there is only one Yahweh. And Jesus is saying, I'm Yahweh. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I'm not just another Elohim like Psalm 82 is talking about. And the word says that you refer to them as gods. I'm not just another one of those. I am the Ahavahweh. I am not only equal with the Father, I'm made up of the same stuff. I am in him and he is in me. And the Jews heard that and said, oh, that explains everything. You cleared it up perfectly. And we're no longer upset or frustrated with you at all. We agree that everything you've said has been the words that the Father gave you to say because basically you're speaking straight out of Scripture. And, and we believe that all the works you do, they, they de definitely point to that reality. And, and so we understand the things that you're saying, and so now we're happy. No, what'd they do? Get him. That's what they did. Get him. They already picked up stones. You think they laid them down? So they gathered stones to stone him, and then Jesus started speaking, so they put those stones back. No, they didn't. What are they trying to do next? Grab that guy. Grab him. Arrest him. Isn't that what the word says? For what purpose? We, we want to understand more about this. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Why does he escape from their hands? It is not my time. They did not believe because they had rejected the word of the Father. And they were rejecting the works of the Son. And they were rejecting the words that he spoke. So Jesus could say in John chapter 5, I have come to my own but my own did not receive me. They have rejected him because they did not believe what God had told them. Luke chapter four, Jesus stands in the synagogue in the hometown he grew up in. He was visiting and so the rabbi asked him to read. Scripture tells us that he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61. And he reads Isaiah 61, which is a proclamation of what Messiah would do. Jesus read Isaiah 61 before the people. And then he closed up the book and he said, Today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. I am here. Does not get plainer than that. And the people sought to throw him off a cliff. Because when we look at the fall of men, the fall of man, 
in Genesis 1 through 11. Not just Genesis in the beginning. The fall is happening multiple times. We see the fall of man, right, at Adam and Eve. We see the corruption of man in Genesis 6 by the angels. And we see the rebellion of man in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. All three, Genesis 1 through 11, all tell us the story of man's rejection of God, mankind's rejection of God. And then Genesis 12 to Revelation 22 tell us God's redemption of man. How God redeems him. How did he redeem him? He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. But not ours only, the Bible says, but for the sin of all the world. John told us that. He became the propitiation, the sin sacrifice for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be. If we respond to the word, then we will hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they come to me. So if my sheep come to me, what do I know of that sheep? That sheep is given by the Father. The Father has given that sheep. And Jesus said, I will not cast them out. I will hold them in my hands and they have nothing to fear. Because I have my hands on them. Because not only am I equal with God. I am in my very nature God. So Jesus leaves, he goes out from that place and he goes back to where John was. In verse 40 it says, he went again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. Isn't it interesting that this is how John chooses to end the public discourse of Jesus' uh, ministry. He went back to where John, where John had prepared the way, where he had delivered the word where men had responded to that word, where people were coming, flocking to him to be baptized. You remember when John lifted up his eyes and he saw the Pharisees coming? He said, who warned you, you brood of vipers, to escape the coming judgment? Were they there to escape the judgment? Did the Pharisees follow suit in repentance? Were they being baptized in repentance and receiving the word that John gave? No. They were not fleeing anything. Judgment's going to land square on top of their head. But everyone who heard John, the father speaking through John, through the word, the prophet, they also heard the words of Jesus. So Jesus goes back. He goes back to that place, it says, and many came to him. And what did they say? They said, John never did a sign. But everything John ever said about this man is true. Can you remember some of the things John said? Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. There is one coming after me who is greater than I, whose sandal strap I'm not even 
able to loose. I'm not worthy. Is there any who are? No, no one's worthy. Should we receive glory because we believe what God says? No. We don't. Rather, we give glory to him. We give glory just as Jesus taught us. He said, so John did no sign, but everything John said about this man is true. And what happened? Many did what? Many believed in him there. Jesus left the religious center. He left the place where the people had turned their back to the word whose hearts were hardened, who believed that they could see. So Jesus said they were blind. And he went out to the people those religious leaders would have said were blind, but they really could see. They responded. John 14, 10, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. John 14, that's where Jesus is going to be talking to his disciples. He's going to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except. 14.10, he said, I am the Father. I'm in him. He's in me. John 14, 11, he says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Isn't that what he just said in John 10? John 14, 20, in that day you will know I am in the Father, you in me, and I in you. So now he's talking about something new to his disciples. What's he going to be describing new? Jesus just left the temple. Now, whether or not there is ever another temple does not matter at all to me. I don't care. That's, that's for, for something else. What do I care about? I care about what Jesus said. What's he saying? You are my temple. God says, I'm not going to live in this building anymore. Where is he going to live? In you. So Paul declares corporately the church is the temple of God and individually you are the temple of God God's going to live where in you who do what who believe those whom believe so Jesus says you'll believe in that day that I am in the father and the father in me because we're going to be in you there's a day coming, the disciples who heard that, there's a day coming where they're going to run away as fast as they can from the place where Jesus is arrested, right? They're all going to deny him. They're all going to run for the hills. They're all going to escape. And then just a few days later, at threat of beating by the same people who crucified Christ, Peter and John are going to say, we don't really care what you say. We're going to preach the name of Jesus. How did that happen? 
in that day you will know that I am in you. You will know. You are the temple now. The place where God abides to all who believe. And all who believe are his sheep and he is our good shepherd. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we can study, God. We thank you for an opportunity to grapple with the word and what the word says, Lord. I do pray, God, that if there are those who are confused, Lord, that you by your spirit would bring them to understanding, uh, God, that they would gather together with us Monday morning or come some other time and ask the questions that they need to ask. Lord, I pray that everyone who is here would have a full understanding of what your word teaches, of who you are, <clears throat> of what you have accomplished, what you have done, so that we, along with all the saints and all the hosts of heaven, would proclaim with one voice, worthy is he of all praise, glory, and honor. Worthy is he. Why? Because he is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 5. All of heaven erupting in praise. All of men, all the saved, all the redeemed, without count, without number, around the throne of God, singing praises unto him, for he is worthy. He is worthy for what he has done. Lord God, I pray everyone here would know you in this way. They would believe the word. They would respond to the command for Jesus commanded all men everywhere to repent and believe. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So God, I pray your spirit would work in conjunction with your word, in conjunction with the Father in this place. Lord, bring repentance, bring salvation, bring light where there is darkness. Lord, open eyes, open hearts, and be glorified in this place. For we seek to honor you in Jesus' name.